0: We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. Um, when I was in uh, ninth grade uh, in, in youth group here at Southwest Community Church, we did this um, trip. It was a stress ch- trip uh, to Tennessee. And um, it, it had 28-mile hikes to, you know, your base camp, and there was rappelling, whitewater rafting, we did uh, mountain climbing, and, and we did a bunch of really fun things, uh, caving, spelunking, all that stuff, but you had to quarter out your food, you had to figure out what you were going to eat, and make your food at the end of the day when you are exhausted, and so it was the perfect type of stress trip, especially for kids. And every night it was just an encouragement and a growth time. Well, I remember this one time we did this really long hike. This was the big one, the 28 mile one that I had just mentioned. Most of them were about 10 miles and things like that, but this was a 28 mile hike. And as we were uh, walking, we had passed by this gorgeous, cold, refreshing waterfall. And so we all went in and just really just refreshed ourselves, you know, we bathed there because there wasn't any bathing facilities, so, you know, everybody really stank, and so we we wanted to smell good, so we bathed there, we did everything, and it was just so refreshing, and then we finished off the final, like, eight miles of the hike. Well, when we finally had everything set up, when we finally had everything where it needed to be, people put their hammocks, people put their tents You know, we we started cooking, and the cooking crew had done their stuff. A group of us begged the guides who were there with us. We said, can we just go back to the waterfall? Can just a group of us go back and enjoy that? It was so refreshing, and everybody's feet were just sore. Everybody was, you know, really tired, and it was just so refreshing to the soul to be under that beautiful water, and it was like a massage. You stood under the waterfall, it was just like massaging your back. It felt so nice. And so they said, okay, so what they did was they divided, and one of the guides went with a group of about ten of us. And we all went back to the waterfall where the rest of the group, they just wanted to relax and sleep and, you know, hang out at the base camp. And so we did that. We divided. And we just had a blast at that waterfall. But there was one big problem that we didn't foresee taking place. A 28-mile hike takes a lot of a day when you're talking about, you know, people that aren't used to hiking and all the gear you're carrying and everything like that, it really slows you down. So by the time we got to the waterfall, it was already dusk. And not a one of us brought a flashlight. And if you've ever been in the mountains of Tennessee during the summer, it is pitch black outside. To the point where you could barely see your hand in front of you. Because... This particular night, of course, it was like God was setting this up so I could later talk about it and give it as an illustration to you guys. It was totally cloudy. So most of the nights we'd be able to look up and we could just see the beauty of the stars and things like that. But what happened was one of our guides, um, you know, he had prayed to God that what would take place was it would rain. Because he had never experienced rain in all the years he had done guiding. He had never experienced rain in the mountains. And everybody had talked about how neat it is and what an experience it is. Except he didn't tell God how much rain. And it poured like a monsoon. And so everybody had a miserable time because our, we, we didn't bring tents. We made tents. Part of the, uh, the stress trip was you made tents. You had to tie tarps from one thing to another. And so most of us, what ended up happening is as you're sleeping, your tent, your tarp fell right on top of you because it wasn't able to carry all the water that was there, and you got soaked. So everybody was stressed. This was really a stress trip, and our food was like washing down to the gullies. I mean, there was so much craziness that was taking place. So there was tons of cloud coverage almost every night that we were there. There was a few nights we could see the beauty, though, of the stars. It was amazing. But this night it was cloud coverage. So it was pitch black outside, and none of us had remembered to bring a flashlight. And so every one of us was lost. I felt like those ants. Do you remember the movie A Bug's Life, where the twig falls down and he goes, I'm lost, even though all the people are right in front of him and he can see them? That's how we felt. It was like We don't know where we're going. We don't know which direction we're going. You can't see your hand in front of you. All of us was putting our hands on each other's backs just so we could actually make our way back up to the bank. And then there was Rambo. You see, it's always good to have a Rambo with you. Okay, and and the cool thing is this guy in real life really is Rambo. I mean, he really, 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 really is Rambo. And his name is Frank Rubio. And what he did was he, he for, um, for as soon as he graduated West Point, he became like a special ops guy and he started flying Blackhawks and he, and he actually made it even higher where he was like a commander type guy and, and they wanted to give him a desk job, but he liked jumping out of helicopters so much he asked that he could go back to being, you know, the crazy guy jumping and rappelling out of helicopters, Okay. Uh, Eventually, what ended up happening is now he works for NASA and he's going to be on one of the space missions that make the base on the moon or flies to Mars. Because that's, yeah, that's really cool. So that's Frank, and it's good to have a Frank with you, to speak frankly. and so what ended up happening was, Frank, you know, we're all freaking out, and everybody's stressed, and the guide is like kicking himself, and the guide just so happened to be our own uh, raised here, born and bred here at Southwest Community Church, and I'm not going to say names, Andy D'Antoni, he, um, he was the one guiding us, and he felt horrible, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job, I shouldn't have taken you guys out at night, what was I thinking, and he's freaking out, and Frank's like, it's okay, I got this, and so we're thinking because. Every single time he said he got something, I mean, he would like pull and big knives and all that stuff. You know, he was doing all this crazy stuff, you know, the entire time. So he's like, I got this, guys. He reaches into his pant pocket and I'm expecting like this folding out, you know, spotlight that's like, you know, and he pulls out this glow stick and we're all like, Are you serious, Frank? But it was amazing at how that tiny little stick that was about this big gave all that light. And amazingly, the ten of us were able to crowd around one another, around Frank, as he led us back to the base camp. Now, just to explain a little bit of this is that To get to the waterfall, you had to follow the exact place and footing of the trail or you would fall probably to really maim yourself on the sides. Because at certain areas, the trail was a dead fall off and you'd fall down the side of the mountain. But there was enough light for all ten people to see exactly where we were going huddled up together. In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 and 9, we're going to skip around a little bit. John writes about Jesus and he says in verse 4, "...in Him was life, and the life was the light of men." The light shines in the darkness, and I want you to think of that experience that I just shared with you in, in, the, in the high mountains where no one should ever go because you hear dueling banjos at night, and it really freaks you out, you know, the bing 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 I mean, it's, it's really creepy out there when you can't see. You know, it's gorgeous, gorgeous place. I don't want to get any emails from hillbillies. <laughs> digging that hole deeper, aren't I? I'm stopping. And he says, the light shines in the darkness. It's just like that glow stick being held up with everybody huddled around it. Why? Because it says here that that light was the life of men. Just like all of us were dependent on that glow stick to get us back, to lead us, but not only that, to keep us safe. Because any false step out of the light could have been a fall. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 9, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Why do we have an obsession with light? Have you ever wondered that? We kind of, you know, um, we, especially my kids, it's like they enter any part of the house and the light has to go on, right? Mm-hmm. It could be so bright inside of the house from the sun, it's still, they enter a room, it's flip, and it's not like they, you know, turn off the light as they exit. No, there's every light is on inside of the house. Why does that take place? Why are we obsessed with light? Why are we so obsessed with light? Well, because light drives out fears, doesn't it? With the night light on, the monster under the bed is actually just a pile of clothes. Right? When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, John chapter 8, if you want, just skip there with me, it's not... Uh, the main crux of what we're talking about today, but it's important that we see in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He's saying, hey, look, I am the one that is lifted up for everybody to see. I drive out the darkness that's in this world. That's, that's what he's proclaiming here. Remember that light that John just said drives out the darkness. And we're obsessed with light because it drives out our fears. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness. Lifting up that light. But will have the light of, say it with me, life. Jesus took away Our fear, because we all had a fear. It was the fear of death. Why? Because He shined light on death. To the point where now we do not have to fear death because when we die, it is the beginning of something beautiful in Him. When we die, we don't stand condemned. We stand living in Him. For all eternity, he took away the strength of the monster of sin, of the pain of having to stand before a righteous judge and he say, You stand condemned. He took that away. In John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus says this, He says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He says, while I'm here, I'm shining. While I'm here, I'm doing the work of light. Remember last week we talked about how salt, if it loses its saltiness, salt has a purpose, salt has a point, and it needs to be used to do what it's made to do. Same thing with light. Jesus says, hey, look, I am the light of the world. I'm going to do what I'm here to do. And a light is here to shine on darkness, to cast out fear, to bring, as He says, life. I mean, just think about it. When you trusted Jesus, you received eternal life, right? Isn't that what we're told? John 6.47, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. He drove out death and sin in your life. Why? By accepting that light and that life of eternity. It's a message of life. It's a message of light. And it drives out darkness. And brothers and sisters, it's up to us now to ignite that. To ignite that message of light in others. Amen? I mean, think about this. Matthew chapter 10, and I know I'm jumping around a lot, but you'll see why. In in Matthew chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus says this. It is enough for the disciple. Remember, disciple means learner. It means follower. So if you are a believer, now he's saying, hey, I want you to become a follower. I want you to love me to the point that you're saying... I'm going to follow line in line, step in step with Jesus Christ. Listen, all of us were okay to follow Frank. Because our lives depended on it. My safety depended on it. And I believed that Frank was leading us the right way. I believed in what he was doing, but it took me following in order to accomplish the safety and the growth that I needed to take place to get back safely. Jesus is saying, hey look, you don't have to follow me, but if you want to live a good life, an abundant life, that safe life in the light, you need to do what I'm saying. And he says in verse 25, it is enough For the disciple that he become like his teacher, and a slave like his master. He goes on and he says, hey look, they, they didn't like me, they called me bad names, they called me Beelzebub, basically they called him the devil, and he's like, they'll do the same to you. But he's saying, hey look, the point of growth, the point of discipleship, is to grow to the point of being like the master. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. While I'm in the world. So, what as disciples of Jesus should we be going towards? Who should we want to emulate? What should we want to emulate? Being the light. And that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew chapter 5. Verses 14 to 16. We're only going to look at verse 14 just for a second. And then we'll go through the entire thing. But read it with me. He says, you are the light of the world. So Jesus said, hey, look, I am the light of the world while I'm in the world. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, hey, look, it's not enough for you just to learn from your teacher. It should be more that you want to be like your teacher. So he's saying, hey, you are the light of the world. Jesus said, we are the light of the world, but let me ask you, are we shining and how brightly? Is it enough where people want to huddle around us because we are guiding them where they need to go? Is it because they see what we're doing, they see the direction in which we're headed, and they're saying, you know what, if I'm not in the light of Vince, if I'm not in the light of Carmen, if I'm not in the light of Eddie, I will fall off and sheer off and be hurt in my walk because I'm going to be stepping into darkness. Darkness. How brightly are we shining and are we coming up with that light that lasts because we'll get into that in a second Sometimes as believers we hide Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 to 16 You are the light of the world Jesus said a city on a hill cannot be hidden nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven." God's divine purpose for your life and my life is His glory. Amen? It says in verse 14 that God has set up His people, believers, His followers, to be a city on a hill. And what does that mean? Well, as Jesus is saying this, I want us to think of where He's probably gazing towards. He's sitting on a mountainside, and remember he said, it says in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, that He gathered His disciples to Him. His disciples are listening to Him, and He starts telling them what it means to be a disciple and a follower. And, and He begins to tell them, it says. And He goes ahead and He instructs them from chapter 5, 6 to 7. And He's probably looking off towards Jerusalem as He's saying these very words. Jerusalem was a city that was built up on a hill. Jerusalem can be seen from any valley, from any mountaintop, from any hill. It's the the city that was built where Abraham offered his son Isaac. Where God looked at Abraham and said, I am going to make from you a great nation. Where God promised to keep His people. And anyone that would bless them, He would bless. And anyone that would curse them, He would curse. So as God is looking towards Jerusalem, He's saying, I want you, My disciples, to be like Jerusalem. A blessing to others. I want you to be like that very hill where no matter where you are, you will see that, that growth You will see me in you, no matter where people are in their walk of life. Listen, we all get in valleys, don't we? And what Jesus is saying is, somebody needs to be in, in able to see Jesus in you when they're walking in that valley. They need to see Jesus in you when they're in pain, when they're in hurt. They need to see Jesus in you when they're on the high point, too. Because you know what? A lot of times when we get on the high point in life, that's when we walk away from Jesus. And they need to be able to see Jesus in you when you're walking in the high point. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And it cannot be attacked because you are at that lookout point from everywhere. A city on a hill. A city on a hill is protected We're called a city on a hill because from the valley you can see it and it stands as a beacon of hope. A city on a hill in the pains and the pitfalls. You have that eternal hope in Jesus Christ and that's what you can give to people. When Jesus said a city on a hill, He was speaking of Israel. The city lifted up. The safe place. The high ground. The spotlight. That can't be hidden. It couldn't be hidden from view. Can you hide a city that's built on top of a mountain? No. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about, the walk that we should have in Him. Because remember, He says that people may see your works and glorify your Father in heaven. He's talking about your walk with Him. He's not talking about entering salvation. Listen, this is Jesus talking to His disciples, and His disciples are followers of Him. His disciples are believers. If Jesus was trying to offer salvation, then He would have said, just like He said to Nicodemus, hey, you need to trust Me. He would have said, just like He offers in John 6, 47, believe and and that's it. But what is He saying? He's talking to His disciples and He's talking about reaching other for the sake and shining for His sake that people might see your actions, your deeds, your application of His light. And you may reach the nations for Him. He's saying, look, I don't want you just to sound good, but I want me to be the tone of every conversation. He's saying, I, I don't want you just to work good, but I want you to be the best employee or student that there is to be. Not just to be a good boss, but to lead by example. He wants you to be seen so people look at you and understand what it means to follow Jesus. Not hidden but fully on display. We're called to be a lamp on a lampstand. Verses 15 and 16, let's read it one more time. It says, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. He's saying, hey look, I want you to be lifted up and be seen for the actions that you are doing. God has called us to be light in the darkness. To take over the dark places in life. Not to hide our light or push it aside and get comfortable in the dark places. Not to be a closet Christian, but a committed follower. He's saying, don't live a life of contradiction what does that mean? What do I mean by a life of contradiction? He's saying, light the lamp and don't hide it. He's saying, live out your purpose. I mean, think about it. Back then, if they lit a lamp, if you did that, everything had cost. Just like today, except to, usually we don't connotate turning on a light. And cost, do we? Not really. But then they really, really did have that cost and they counted that cost. They had the wicks that they had to buy for their little clay pots that they made. They had the oil that they filled the lamp, the clay pot with to make sure that they, it could stay lit. And so if they lit that lamp, there was a cost that went along with it. And so you wouldn't light a lamp and then hide it. No, because it contradicts the purpose of lighting the lamp you want to see. And there's a cost that's going alongside with that lamp being lit. And so you, would, you wouldn't just waste lighting the lamp like that. And Jesus is saying, hey look, you've been lit. So live out your purpose because I bought you with the great price of my life." The point is to be seen. The point is so that people may see your walk, your talk, and how it lines up with Jesus, your Savior. Amen? Because we are created to shine. We are created to be seen for our good works. Let me ask you, does Scripture say you should be known for all the things that you're against? Is that what it says? Is that what Jesus says in that passage? He says, hey, look, when you're standing in the darkness, I want you to stand up on a soapbox and let everybody know all the things that you're against. No. What does He say? That they may see your deeds, your works, your actions because you're shining. He didn't say, go on Facebook and on Twitter and jump on the person that said something against you. No. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know what it means to glorify? It literally means to uplift and celebrate. When Joseph rescued the Egyptians from famine, Pharaoh said, Yahweh is the true God above all other gods. You know what he's doing? He is glorifying the Father in heaven. When Nebuchadnezzar was eating grass like a crazy man, an ox in the field... And he finally said, oh man, you know what? I'm tired of this. I've been brought to my lowest. What Daniel told me is true. He looked up and he said, there is no God but the Most High God of Israel. You know what he was doing? He was glorifying. It was all because one was a mouthpiece, one was acting. You see how that comes together when you're living the light? We are to be a light to this world in this dark time. Look, all of us are uncomfortable. All of us are cranky. All of us are wearing masks for 8-10 hours a day. No one likes it. But you can be the light. Shine like the light. Shine like the purpose that Jesus has placed in your life to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. A light that is lifted. You ever seen a floodlight in the middle of pitch black? It's really neat. Really, it really is a work of art if it's installed correctly. I'm sorry, I used to work as an under electrician at one point, so that sort of stuff, I'm like, oh, that's great. Um, when most people would look at that and be like, it's a light, I'm like, oh, wow. But I remember um, this, this one year, uh, I used to take the kids back when I was the youth pastor. I would take them to a place um, up in Alva, Florida. It was a little Methodist camp out there. They would rent it out to us. We'd put on our own things, and it was great. It was just a great time of growth, and it was the youth retreat. And They had this basketball court, and it was just a half court, tiny little thing, and they had this giant spotlight over it. And at night, we used to go out there and we used to play basketball. You remember that, Looch? Oh man, it was so much fun because the place would be pitch black outside and you could flick that switch and all you could see was the basketball court. And sometimes it was a little freaky because if you missed your shot and you had to run into the field to go get the ball, you're running into pitch black and there was those orb spiders out there that at night, they would do these crazy webs from the the oak trees, and so you'd, you'd just hear somebody running to get the ball going, oh, oh, gosh, oh, oh, it's on me, you know? So no one wanted to miss the, the you know, the hoop. But you see, a floodlight is designed to illuminate the darkness. It's designed to only bring into focus what it's shining on. A floodlight, when it's properly installed, you don't see the fixture. You don't see what is producing the light and living that light. When you turn on the floodlight, you don't sit there and go, oh, you know, that's a beautiful design of lantern. I really like that they... No, it's the light shining on that basketball court. And our life being lived for Christ is so people don't see us the lantern. It's so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That they don't pay attention to the person, that they Pay attention to the one who has enlightened that person. Amen? Because we live for His glory. So men may see the light. People may see the hope of Jesus living in you. And not praise you, but praise your Father in heaven. Glorify Jesus for rescuing you and dying for you. Amen? Amen. The goal of every follower of Jesus is to bring glory to God. To shine so brightly for Jesus that they see Jesus in you. That through your works, through your words, through your action, through your very life, they see Christ who are you shining for what are you shining on you're called to be the light in the darkness you're called to be a city on a hill so start living your purpose of why Jesus has you here as followers of his start living your purpose as that lamp that's lifted up and not hiding. You know, I love that when, when we sing this song to our kids, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. What do we tell them? Put it under a bush. No way! I'm going to let it shine. If we're teaching our kids to show Jesus in them, then we who teach it need to act on it. Amen? church who does your life spotlight on we need to ask that when when we are out there are we shining on Jesus Christ or is the lamp being seen and if the lamp's being seen we need to make an adjustment And then we got to ask ourselves, am I lifting up the name of Jesus and glorifying Him in such a way that when people see what I'm doing, they know that it's only Jesus in me? Are people looking towards you for light? Are they crowding around you? Saying, this guy's got a message that I need to hear. Listen, it's, it's not your works or anything like that that saves people from hell. What it does is it opens them up to hear the message that you have to say of Jesus Christ dying for them. Amen? Amen. Look, the truth is none of us is perfect and none of us would be perfect until we see Jesus face to face. And none of us can judge any other person based on their sin. And though sometimes I read things in the news and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that horrible, terrible person. But Jesus loves them in the same way He loves me. And I don't understand that fully, to be honest. A God could... You know, I would throw some of these people in a wood chipper and not think twice about it. But Jesus died to rescue sinners like me. And really, when we share the light of Jesus Christ, you know what it really is? doesn't matter what the person looks like. They could be covered with tattoos from top to bottom. They could have horns, you know, because they're doing that now. They could have holes all in their ears and in their tongue and on their face and everywhere. It doesn't matter what they look like and what their past is. They could have been a gangbanger at one time. They could be a current drug dealer. It does not matter. What it is, is I am a peasant. I am a, a beggar that has found food, and I'm telling them where to find food. Amen? That's how we need to look at life. As I found the light, I need to share that light with others. So brothers and sisters, shine. Shine. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but puts it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org located in Miami, Florida until next time remember the only work in grace is to let grace work in you God bless